0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with us this day and every day. Amen. So, oftentimes in life, maybe daily, do you check the weather? Do you want to know what's predicted for the day that is ahead of you? Right? I do this in the morning a lot of times. Want to know what the temperature is going to be? If it's likely to rain? What's coming? When there's sporting events that are going to be played, most times experts weigh in, make their picks, tell us who is likely to win the game, right? People write about the ebb and flow of political power and every election that comes, there's normally a forecast of who's likely to win based on how things have gone, if they're incumbent, if they're new, if they're polling well, and all of those factors that go into making these predictions. But much of this writing, proclaiming, prognosticating, never turns out. Right? I mean weather predictions maybe are more accurate than they used to be based on satellite data and trending things and the you know speed at which all that information is put into modeling computers and sp- gets spit back out for the person to stand in front of the screen and point to things right and so probably we know more than we used to know about that but experts don't always agree on the predictions that they make how many picked the 49ers how many picked the bengals Drew did I was hoping but even among our family and we're Bengals fans cuz that's where I grew up and my, most of my family's still there and you know we were thinking okay this is going to be a tough game they're not likely to win they're the away team you know history is not in their favor last week they won their first playoff game in 31 years what are the odds of winning two and yet victorious. Ben Franklin said this, in this world nothing is certain except death and taxes. Even with experts coming together and making predictions and proclamations about what they think is going to happen, a lot of times we don't know. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And we even do this ourselves. We talk about things we want to do, things we plan to do, things we intend to do, but we don't always follow through with those things. We think about things we want to do and we don't always even make it through our whole to-do list. Do you make it through your whole to-do list? If you do, come on over. We've got stuff. So in a world full of uncertainty, in lives that are filled with unfulfilled hopes and dreams and promises and goals and things that we want or expect to get done. In our understanding and identification of Jesus, we see this, Jesus fulfills the word. This is in our gospel reading for today in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus fulfills the word. The Bible's full of promises from God. There's an author named Herbert Locklear who wrote a book called All the Promises of the Bible. And he identified 7,147 promises in Scripture. That's a lot. How many promises have you made in your life? Maybe close to that many. I mean, we promise all kinds of things. Or at least sometimes little kids will say that you promised but you promised. God's promises are not like that. He promises from the beginning, from the fall, from Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. In Genesis 12, to Abraham, that there would be a promised land and descendants and a blessing to the world. God promises redemption and rescue for his people. He promises that one would come. An anointed one, which in Hebrew is Mashiach, Messiah. In Greek is Christ. The anointed one who was to come, who would bring change, renewal, rescue, redemption. And all these promises that God makes are good news. The one who would come would bring something new for God's people, and he would never leave, forsake, or abandon us. He would care and sustain life and his creation. And in Joshua 21, verse 45 says this, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all came to pass. And that's in Joshua 21, looking back at Exodus, redemption, faithfulness through the wilderness wandering years and the conquest of the land, and all of God's promises, Joshua 21 says, were kept 100% fulfilled for Israel. Now, that's a narrow section of all that God has promised. First, or 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that all the promises of God are yes in. Him, that is, Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. The ultimate fulfillment of God's word. The fulfillment of the law, the one who kept the law perfectly, who was obedient to his father in all things. The one who never failed The one who was the mighty hand and outstretched arm of God come to rescue and redeem. See, there's promises that God makes that in the closer term are kept in a smaller way, but in the long term are kept in Jesus. At the time of the Exodus, the mighty hand and outstretched arm of God come to rescue and redeem his people who were enslaved in Egypt. In Christ, the mighty hand and outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross came to rescue and redeem through his sacrificial death. see, all the promises of God find their yes in him, the one born of the virgin, born under law to redeem those under law. The word made flesh, the love of God incarnate. This is who Jesus is. In our series through this season of Epiphany, we're talking about the revealing of Jesus. How Jesus is revealed in these narratives in a bit different way each week. Through the visit of the Magi to identify him as the one who was born to be king. To last week, the water into wine. Seeing his power and authority and ability to meet our needs. And here the one who fulfills. So Jesus announces the fulfillment of Isaiah's words. Verse 21, just after reading from Isaiah. Goes into the synagogue, rolls, unrolls the scroll, reads about the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and he goes through that reading and says to them that today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It's Isaiah 61, mostly. That he's reading from. A little piece from Isaiah 58, and likely remembered slightly incorrectly when it was told to Luke as he wrote things down. And a similar list shows up again in Luke chapter 7 when John's disciples show up and say, Hey, are you the one that's to come, or are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? Well, go tell John what you see and what you hear and what you're witnessing the eyes of the blind are unstopped and the ears of the deaf begin to hear and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised and the poor have good news preached to them. These are the things that are surrounding Jesus. So when he arrives, he brings the kingdom. So around Jesus, things are different. Life is different in the kingdom and being close to Jesus got people a taste of it, a sample of what is to come. It's interesting that moving on from there in this reading, so Jesus says, this is fulfilled in your hearing, and the people are like, wow, right, for a moment. And then they realize who he is, and they're like, wait a second. Isn't this that punk kid, right? Right? That's Joseph's kid. Isn't that Joseph's kid? You remember Joseph, right? Oh, you remember his kid, right? He was kind of, uh, you know. He always got the best grades. He was never, that kid was never in trouble. What's wrong with his parents? <laughs> but then after he says to them, what we heard you were doing in Capernaum, do also hear. I mean, he's aware already that in his hometown, that's how the people are going to look at him. We knew you when. We knew you when you were in middle school. Well, okay, synagogue school. We knew you when you were younger. Now, what you did there, do here. In Luke's gospel, he hasn't done anything in Capernaum yet. I mean, this is pretty early. Now, having the bigger story... And the other Gospels, putting the timeline together from this reading, we can infer that he'd been to Capernaum and some of the things that we hear about have already taken place. The word is spreading. Right? But in Luke's Gospel, he's announced like John the Baptist's birth and Jesus' birth, is, that's chapter 1 for the most part. Chapter 2 is the birth narrative that we read at Christmas, right? And in the days of Caesar Augustus, all the world was sent for the census, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. You know the narrative. And and then we get to the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, and here we are. Now there's a little bit along the way. In terms of he'd been preaching in Galilee, so the words were being shared and the good news was being shared. But this is the first sermon, the first public speaking of Jesus that Luke records. And it's controversial. It's, you know what? There's plenty of lepers, but only Naaman was healed. There are plenty of widows, but only the one at Zarephath. You know what they hear in that? It's not for you. Because of unbelief. Because at the time of Naaman... He was a foreigner. And the time, Elisha, Zarephath is not Israel. Maybe my hometown isn't where I should be. Maybe this isn't, isn't for you. But at the same time, the words are being fulfilled. The, The prophecies are coming to bear. And so that's, you know, they're torn here. They're seeing the one who's coming and proclaiming good news and fulfilling the scripture and all of that. But then he's telling them, maybe not. So hence the, let's toss them off the cliff. Which seems like a pretty strong reaction, right? Like, wait, this is not for us? Okay, that's it for you. Chuck you off the hillside here and see who comes later. But through Jesus, good news was already being proclaimed and the kingdom of God was arriving. And the word that's being proclaimed is good news. The word is good news. Our ears are filled with bad news, aren't they? Just scroll through headlines, just turn on the TV. There's all kinds of bad news bombarding us all of the Everyone but me in the room is wearing a mask. Why? Because we're living in this pandemic that we've been living in for practically two years. And we hear about it day after day after day. And then news of someone whom we know passing hits us. And even though there's been so many who have lost their lives or so many who have been infected and so many who have been terribly sick, it still hits us like a truck. Bad news. And the economy, are we recovering or not recovering? There's inflation and interest rate challenges and, you know, stock markets doing all kinds of weird stuff and like, uh, what's going to happen? And most of us are holding on. Like, we don't want it to crash. And politics are challenging. And things are going on in other parts of the world that could possibly affect us. In places like Ukraine, where there's tensions rising. And oftentimes, you know, with other countries, and there's tensions rising, and we don't know what might happen. And then a tsunami happens because of a volcanic eruption and an earthquake, and Tonga gets overwhelmed by it, and the waves make them make their way all the way across the ocean. And thankfully, didn't cause a lot of damage on this side, but we know things didn't go so well for other people. And last week, there were tornadoes in Florida, just miles from where my mom was, and storms in the south, and snow and ice in the eastern U.S., and I just heard late yesterday a wildfire uh, south of here. It's January. Like, ah, oh, there's so much that's always happening. Now, that's just kind of global things, but then there's the oppression of people and captives, and there's statistically more people enslaved today than ever. And the oppression of people based on all kinds of reasons. And personal stories. Maybe from people we know, or friends of friends, tragedy, suffering, burdens being born, stress being wearing people down, complications in life, and it's nothing new. Oppression, stress, burdens, complications in life have been with people throughout. Time throughout history, our broken world, our broken lives, and in walks Jesus to bring good news because Jesus is anointed to proclaim good news. Verse 18. From Luke chapter 4, as he's reading from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Good news to the poor is his first part of it. The spirit on him in his baptism, the spirit is visible like the dove in the form of. And that's at the end of Luke chapter 3. To proclaim good news to the poor, and the poor show up in Luke ten times in a focus. Ten times Luke focuses on the poor, or what Jesus is talking about about the poor. Blessed are the poor, Luke chapter 6 will say. They're invited to the banquet when others don't come, in chapter 14. And twice in Luke, the rich are to give to the poor. The rich man who shows up and is like, I'm good to go, right? Ha <laughs> Well, sell what you got and give to the poor. And then Zacchaeus, similar. Many times the poor in the Bible are destitute and oppressed, exploited and suffering. It's generally not people who are wondering, you know, how am I going to pay the bills today? But they're okay most of the time. Like these are people who are just on the edge, right? Barely surviving. And some viewed at that time, and this view is not exclusive to that time, but some viewed poverty as punishment. That they must have done something wrong. That they must have, they, they must be under punishment from God, which is why they're in this situation. A view that I think some people have even Still. So Jesus comes to bring good news to the poor. And liberty to the captives, to prisoners, to those who are trapped. Captive, enslaved, even trapped in the cycle of sin. To give sight to the blind, physically, but also spiritual blindness. And liberty to the oppressed, to the downcast, the abused, the broken to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 25, every 50th year was a year of jubilee. In the jubilee year, debts were forgiven, property, land was restored, and slaves were liberated. So as Jesus says, the year of the Lord's favor, that's most likely what people heard. Of the Jubilee year. The year of Jubilee was a temporary thing, though Jesus came to bring it in its fullness. This is the gospel. That word means good news. And the gospel is that there's liberty, that there's freedom, that there's redemption and renewal, that eyes are opened and Our chains are gone. That in Christ there is forgiveness of our sin. Our sins of things that we've done and promises we've failed to keep. All of our sins are forgiven in Christ. This is good news. Because when he comes on the scene, things are different and when he's In our lives, things are different. That can be hard because we still are here in this broken world, surrounded by brokenness and feeling that brokenness within ourselves. There's good news. The Lord has come. And he keeps the word and he keeps the promises and he brings redemption and forgiveness for you and for me. For each of us and for all of us, this is the gospel. So share the news. Share the news. We naturally share what's important. We share important news. Social media exists because people like to share, right? We like to. Tap out what's going on in our lives, what's important to us. It's a good and easy way to do that. This week test kits became available, or at least you can order them. And between social media and text messages and emails, I think we heard about that at least five times from people, which is good. People knew we were looking for tests last week. And uh, some tests were shared with us, and we really appreciate that. So we were able to test, uh, all four of us, and we tested negative, and Max tested negative all on Monday. So that's why we can be here today comfortably. And, um, and then so, you know, knowing that we were looking for tests, we started getting that early uh, on Tuesday. First from a teacher at Drew's school. So I had him on order already because I just responded right away. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get in line. Before... Um, probably most of those reminders or um, announcements of that arrived. It's important news. When something's important to us, we want to share what it's about. In crisis, we want to find a sympathetic ear or extend a warning to someone else. And when we have good news, we want to share that joy. When I was a kid, I remember um, my dad on his desk had a, cigar box and in that cigar box was papers i don't know what they were receipts or something i don't know what he kept in there but it was a box from cigars and my dad was not a cigar smoker it wasn't a smoker of any kind no pipes no cigarettes no cigars nothing so i wondered well, why do you have these right and he said well that's because when you were born i gave out cigars oh well that's fun so Over the course of my young life, I saw that happen. I saw men with cigars passing them out. The baby was born. Here you go. Here's a cigar. We don't do that anymore, which is probably good. (laughs) What happened to that? I don't know. Where'd that come from? Who knows? But when there's good news, we want to share, either through a cigar or maybe a good word. Later, there was lollipops that I remember seeing. The son was there, the child was born, so people got lollipops. Because cigars were, you know, no good. When you get a new job, when you have a new relationship, we share stories of success, of travel, of blessing. And the gospel is news that needs to be shared. And we can share it because the Spirit of the Lord is on us. 1 Corinthians 12, which was our first reading for today, says this. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. Same spirit that appeared at Jesus' baptism is on us, the baptized. The same spirit from God gives us power and guides us and leads us. The Spirit of God is upon you and me. So in that spirit we can testify. We can share our story. So do your part. First Corinthians twelve is the, the body and members. It's one of two places where Paul uses similar language. The body and its many members. We are members of this body. And this is what he said at verse twenty seven, twenty eight. You are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, and then he goes on to share about teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. See, the body has many members. But all of us as members of the body have the same goal and the same Purpose. We have unique opportunities and skills, unique gifts from that same Spirit. But the Spirit of God that's upon us and assembled us as the body has a purpose for us: is to share the news of Jesus. It's among our purposes to care for one another as the body of Christ and to fulfill the purpose of this body given by Jesus to make disciples. As Jesus has been revealed to us, we need to be revealing him to others. We need to be sharing in this word that he has kept, sharing of the promises that our Lord has fulfilled. Scripture has been fulfilled Jesus has kept the promises of God. You and I are recipients of the gospel and all of its gifts. So let's share Jesus. Amen.